your home is a, typically an asset which appreciates over time if you take care of it. If you don't take care of it, then there's another issue. And it should be the most important thing for everybody to take care of. Some people just don't see it that way. I guess they're the, and, and they may be the people that have the car that they just want to drive it till it drops. And as long as there isn't any problems with the house itself, or maybe there isn't any problems with their specific unit. And, and that's understandable too. But the issue is that when you move into an HOA, you're again, not a single entity anymore. You are one of a community. And if the community has a problem, it's your problem too. Common Sense for Common Areas exists to help all 2 million HOA board members nationwide have the right information at the right time to make the right decisions for their future. If you're a board member, that's you. Stay with us weekly for actionable insights that minimize stress, avoid catastrophes, and protect your property values. This episode is sponsored by three businesses that care about volunteer board members, Association Reserves, Community Financials, and Kevin Davis Insurance Services. You'll find links to their websites and social media in the show notes. Thankless job. What comes to your mind when you hear those two words? Having served on the board of my condominium association for a few years, and then followed by decades of experience in the industry, there's one job that without a doubt, deserves to be at the top of the list, an elected volunteer community association board member. So a regular feature of our weekly podcast is one episode a month devoted to sharing the stories of real-life unsung board heroes. In our eyes, a board hero is one of the two million elected volunteers who are worthy of recognition for simply performing a thankless job well. If you missed our first board hero, Zach, who serves as president of a 157-unit association in Iowa, you might want to check out episode number five. This is episode number nine, and we hope these stories will affirm the value and importance of a board that takes their responsibility seriously and inspires and motivates the two million board members across the country to keep up the good work. My name is Scott. I am currently on the board of directors for the Northridge Townhome Association. I am now in my third year of service for the HOA. When I'm not wearing my board of directors hat, I am a father of three wonderful girls, currently ages seven and nine, partner with their wonderful mother, who is a rock star, full-time career woman and raising her children. In addition to working myself full-time, as a consultant for a firm that deals with corporate bankruptcies, the managing of corporate bankruptcies. Northridge Townhomes Owners Association is a 217-unit townhome community in Northridge, California. The property is over 40 years old with an annual budget of $1.5 million. Scott and his family have lived in the community for about 10 years, and we asked him what first motivated him to be involved in the governance of his association. What motivated me to become a board member was not only getting involved in order to make a better community, but actually I was asked by a number of members in the community to get involved because they thought that I could bring 
something different to the table, a new way of thinking, and definitely a new face and energy to a board that hadn't really changed over a le- uh, extended length of time. Here's how Scott describes his personality and the special gifts he brings to the board. My personality, I feel, is I'm, I'm rather laid back and, and I manage in that particular fashion, but I can be very passionate about stuff and I have a strong, when I have a strong belief towards something, um, I'm not going to say I will my way to get things done, but I have conviction. I show conviction. And I think that's something that from a leadership standpoint, it's pretty much needed, um, especially in a board of directors situation. The special gift that I think that I bring to the board of directors is the fact that I have a business background. Um, I had an MBA that I got from Cal State Northridge. I had worked in various management roles for over 20 years at several different companies, and I am very analytical, so I feel that if there's certain particular problems that I'm willing to try to find a different solution to get something done. It's not just accepting this status quo mentality. Um, but, and just what's written there, it's trying to find a better way of getting something done, which I feel that separates me from other people, um, on the board of directors in the past and just in different situations for the companies that I've worked for. Scott used the term status quo mentality several times throughout our interview, because at the heart of this story is the attempt of the board to change the status quo. But before we get to that, here's some more background. My my favorite aspect of being on the board of the directors is for me just trying to be able to make a difference. I've had a philosophy that I adopted a long time ago for a company that I work for called Constantly Better. And that is where you are trying to accomplish the status quo of your life every single day, if at all possible and to try to do one more thing every single day when when applicable. And over time, your situation would get constantly better. So it's trying to do the same for the community, a place that I've lived at for 10 years, and just trying to instill that and make a difference. Because if accomplished, obviously, Everybody's happier in the community. Things are getting done. Property values hopefully go up because people want to live here. So there are some financial gains to it as well. But overall, just the better standard of living and happiness within the community rather than just hiding away in your townhouse and just waiting for things to happen. We were curious what Scott's least favorite aspect was of serving on the board. My least favorite aspect of being on the board of directors is dealing with some of the problems with homeowners uh, directly. We are volunteers. We are not paid employees. And we are treated at times like we are paid employees. And they feel that they have the right to 
for lack of a better word, abuse us because of it. When in fact that we are a homeowner, just like them, we are one of 217 people in this complex and we should all be treated equally. We should all be treated with the same amount of respect being on the board. Maybe we should command a, a, a little more because of the extra hours and time that we put into this position. Uh, of course, being on the board is what you truly make out of it. And when I was president, I was putting in maybe an extra 10 to 15 hours a week to make sure that we were still moving forward um, in what I conceived a positive direction. And I, I think it's important to that everybody understands that. But at times you still have to deal with homeowners who are expecting a, I want to say a escalated concierge service, not understanding that they are in an HOA type of atmosphere with limited resources. And those things are just not applicable. These are just the way that things are, and they're just not willing to accept it. And it's always a difficult conversation when that takes place. Here's Scott's perspective as it relates to the association's financial health. I would consider the association fairly funded. I think there's an issue not only with us and probably with other associations throughout the country in which cost of living factors due to inflation have increased the costs of running an association, which are not truly taken into consideration when budgets are put into place and the determination of dues for the following year are put into consideration. Despite the financial challenges that the Northridge Townhomes Estates is facing, Scott is proud of how the current seven-member board is operating effectively as a team. We consider our association well-run in the fact that we've had uh, a number of board members over time that have taken a passion in trying to make sure that the community is being taken care of um, from a homeowner's perspective. For certain periods of time, it may have been a single person that drove this desire to keep the community, the, the community, the community well run. While currently we have a number of people on the board, it's more of a team effort um, to ensure that certain issues are being resolved. And in fact, in, with today's board, um, a number of issues that are being brought up by the board itself rather than inquiries from members, um, taking things to another, another level in order to improve the association topics that I would have never considered before. So in that aspect, absolutely. We wanted to learn more about the board's response to the financial challenges the association was facing. So we asked Scott if the board had ever tried to pass a special assessment. Yes, we have recently tried to pass a special assessment in order to do a huge rehabilitation project for the 217 units for our community. Unfortunately, we were unsuccessful in having that special assessment passed. 
we learned from Scott that the association is about 80% owner-occupied, and the special assessment the board put to the vote of the homeowners amounted to about $33,000 per unit. Scott wanted to share the lessons he learned about this process. There's probably a number of lessons that we learned throughout this particular process that everybody can learn from. First, you want to take your time. We probably made the mistake, even though we had been working on putting this project together for such a, for months, if not years, if you would talk to certain people, the voting process, the process to educate the homeowners, we did in a short period of time over a number of months, maybe a three month period, which is rather difficult to do to get the buy-in of your fellow homeowners when you're already in a apathetic community and with little participation in board meetings to try to get people involved in a construction project, which is going to affect them financially in so many different ways. As a result of rampant inflation, the board had good reason to be concerned about the timing of this special assessment. We were under pressure to try to get this particular project passed in order to make sure that we could actually afford it now rather than pushing it off into the future in which these costs would probably and possibly price us out. As you heard, one of the biggest challenges facing the board was homeowner apathy and not being able to get enough homeowners to buy into the project. Here's how Scott sees it. We listen to people, but apparently we didn't listen to enough people or we weren't talking to the right people. We didn't get enough people to show up at the town hall meetings prior to the votes. Having 100 people show up is great, but when you're in a community of 217, you still need to get more people to show up. So we needed to spend more time. We needed to educate more. We needed to have more buy-in. We needed to get the community of 217 more involved rather than the limited community that we were talking with involves. And as a result of that, there are consequences. We asked Scott what the consequences were that he was referring to. The consequences that people are not realizing, and granted, everybody votes specifically to their own situation, and they should. Our particular project, which some people would disagree with, was meant to fix the community for the next 30 to 40 years. And you have part of the population that, or demographics, that is not interested in long-term solutions. They're only interested in my dues for today and the next couple of years. They have a short-term outlook for whatever their reasons are. And that's completely acceptable. In our conversation, we thought Scott's use of the phrase best for the community reflected the professionalism of the board in fulfilling their fiduciary responsibility. We had made certain decisions to go on with this project at a higher cost than maybe some other projects because 
we decided to go with long-term solutions with warranties that would not only fix our physical problems, but would eventually fix our financial problems as well, because we wouldn't have to be spending significant amounts of money into maintenance and termite control um, and other rehabilitation issues that could be solved with a overwhelming construction, much needed project for the entire community. We know from our experience that many people who buy into a home that is governed by an association fail to appreciate some of the basic concepts of a shared community. Here's how Scott sees it. If somebody's car broke down, they would be more than willing to go out and buy another car for $30,000, $40,000 and not have any second thoughts about it at all because you need that transportation. Your home is a, typically an asset which appreciates over time if you take care of it. If you don't take care of it, then there's another issue and it should be the most important thing for everybody to take care of. Some people just don't see it that way. I guess they're the, and, and they may be the people that have the car that they just want to drive it till it drops. And as long as there isn't any problems with the house itself, or maybe there isn't any problems with their specific unit. And, and that's understandable too. But the issue is that when you move into an HOA, you're again, not a single entity anymore. You are one of a community. And if the community has a problem, it's your problem too. If somebody else's home fails, it's your, your problem to pay for whatever the damages are. If there's a lawsuit against the community, you are one splice of whatever the number of units are that is going to have to pay for that. And I don't think that Everybody that lives in, this, in, an, in an association understands that concept. Scott brought up another interesting consequence of not passing a special assessment. Not only do we have the problem about maybe not being able to afford this project in the future, but we also now have the problem that the banks won't fund us because we got a no vote and they are completely afraid, or at least the one bank that we talked to that that we had a, a loan application with that if you don't have a, the majority that you need supporting this project, that you're going to have litigation issues with your homeowners, or you're just going to have homeowners that are not going to pay their dues or can't afford to pay their dues. And now you're going to have to deal with foreclosure issues and who's going to pay for, who's going to make the payments to the bank. So they basically ran away from it. As we all know, the composition of a board changes over time, but the decisions made by prior boards can have a lingering effect. Scott explains. Well, I mean, the, the prior board did, did to some degree set us up for failure because of the lack of keeping up with the economics of running the nonprofit business of what a HOA association is. You have to collect dues in commensurate of what rising costs are and, and budget and inflation. As an HOA, you're responsible for protecting the money that is accumulated 
with the dues. So you're not able to invest it in anything. So your money is going into a money market account, recently collecting at what, half a percent or 0% while your costs are increasing at 8%. So you're losing money. Scott explains the challenges of setting a realistic association budget. You still need to raise the dues to compensate for the difference in order to keep the community run in the same fashion instead of having to give up other things. Maintenance, deferred maintenance is a word that people like to use and, and having to make decisions um, based on budget rather than having to make a decision because it's common sense and it shouldn't be that way. So it is a challenge and to some degree, the decisions of the past have made the current board a failure. Truly, this construction project had a better chance of passing the special assessment if it was lower. And if we had more money in reserves, we could have had a lower assessment, but we priced ourselves out because of the decisions of the past, which now the future has to pay for. And the community voted that the future can't afford it. We asked Scott what advice he would give owners considering joining the board. Here's what he said. I would not settle for status quo. And I use that term a lot because you're, if you're interested in joining the board, you, you obviously have a reason and a passion, whatever it may be, and you should continue to follow through with that no matter what it is. Not to settle for no. Um, as president, I was told no with a number of things. We couldn't do this. We couldn't do that. Well, who, who, what is the reason behind it? Ask the questions. Just don't accept no. No and why. Find out the why. Because the why now opens up doors for you to explore and challenge and find out if they're actually legitimate or not which some of them may not be. They may be just based on a decision that somebody made 30, 40 years ago that is no longer around and has been passed around from one brain to the next brain, but there's no paper or anything that even justifies any of it. Just in, in not to settle for that. It was clear to us that Scott had learned many valuable lessons from the experience of a failed special assessment moat. We'll close with this final thought from Scott. So the community will still survive, but it's going to be that much more difficult to, to move forward with the times um, because of it. And people just, they just don't get it. It would be great for me to just tell my story with every, in detail for like two hours and just answer questions and, uh, or anybody who's going through this entire process so that they completely understand the association completely understands that it's not just a vote it's the future you've been listening to common sense for common areas thank you to each of you for your engagement and support to continue the conversation you can follow the social media links for robert nordland kevin davis and julie adamant in the show notes if you like the show and would like to support us 
you can do so in a number of ways. You can subscribe to Common Sense for Common Areas wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And please share it with another board member. You can do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And you can also support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. You'll find links to the website and social media for Association Reserves, Community Financials, and Kevin Davis Insurance Services in the show notes. But the most important thing you can do is to engage in the conversation. You can email your questions or voice memos to podcast at reservestudy.com or call our 24-7 voicemail line at 805-203-3130. This podcast was produced by Stokelight Video Production and Marketing. With Stokelight on your team, you'll see sales grow as you reach more customers with videos that inspire action. See the show notes to connect with Stokelight. Finally, remember that the views and opinions expressed by the podcast, including host, co-host, and guest, do not constitute legal advice. We encourage our audience to consult with their own legal counsel before making important decisions.